0: Today, we're going to talk tonight. Well, we're going to continue in the series, which is Beyond Sunday. So, last Sunday, Pastor talked about having a good heart. That's what, he, that's what he talked about. And he said, You can make your heart good or you can make your heart bad. Well, I just got thinking about that and I just wanted to do so, and expound a little bit on that. Matthew 12, verse 33 says, You either make the tree good or you make the tree bad. And good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit. And you can always tell what kind of tree it is based on the fruit that it produces. The same thing is true with people's lives. If you see a lot of bad fruit in somebody's life, chances are there's a bad heart inside, right? If you see a lot of good fruit, chances are the fruit is good. So you can have a good heart or you can have what's referred to in Hebrews chapter 3 as an evil heart of unbelief. It's funny because if you look at how Jesus refers to unbelief, he never refers to unbelief like it's some kind of an accidental thing. He never refers to unbelief as though, oh, it's okay if you have unbelief. No, when the, when the, When he speaks here through the book of Hebrews, when he talks about unbelief, he says that be careful lest any of you have an evil heart of unbelief. He equates unbelief with being evil. So it's not just this, oh, I'm just kind of, um, I don't really have an opinion about unbelief. Jesus thinks unbelief is evil, He says, if you have unbelief, that is a source of evil. It says, beware lest any of you have, Hebrews chapter 3, have an evil heart of unbelief. So what's the remedy? You say, well, I've got a lot of unbelief. That mean I'm evil? That means that you need to remedy this unbelief with faith. And how do you get faith? Somebody, how do you get faith? Do Do you get faith by fasting? No, you don't get faith by fasting. How do you get faith, somebody? By hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Okay, that's how you get faith. So if you you are sitting here and you say, well, you know, I've got a lot of unbelief. Well, the remedy for that is the Word of God. That's the remedy. The remedy is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, In the parable of the sower, which Pastor also talked about last week, in the parable of the sower, it talks about the three types of soil that are there. You have the path, which is the hard soil, which is packed down. You have the stony soil, or the shallow soil, right? Mark chapter 4 is where this is found. Then you have the weedy, W-E-E-D-Y, weedy soil. And then you have the good soil. Okay? And in this parable, the soil is your or and my heart. The soil is your heart, my heart. That's what the soil is. And the seed is the word of God. So the very first type of soil is the path, right? So it says, some seed, a sower went out to sow, and then some seed fell on the path which is where everybody walks, right? And when, when the so- seed fell on the path, it says that the birds of the air came and just picked up the seeds, and they said, uh-uh, oh, lunchtime. And they picked up the seeds, and that was it. And nothing grew there. Why? Because the soil was hard. There was a hard heart there. And when someone has a hard heart, or an evil heart, they're kind of synonymous. When someone has a hard heart, even when you hear the word of God, what ends up happening is it kind of just bounces off, right? And, the, and then the enemy just comes and snatches that word away, and that word becomes unaffective or doesn't benefit you. See, it, when the word comes and comes into your heart, faith comes, But see, if the enemy can get you to have a hard heart, then the word of God will not benefit you. See, Paul talks in Romans, when he's speaking to the Roman church, he says the word of faith that we preach. So where the word comes, faith comes. Where faith comes, change comes. Where change comes, good stuff happens, right? So the key is to start with, what's the condition of my own heart? Because if I can look at this and say, what's the condition of my heart, my spiritual heart, what's the condition of my heart? And that's the starting point. Then we look at what causes hard-heartedness. What are some causes of hard-heartedness? One of the the reasons that we get hard-hearted, Hebrews chapter 3 says, the deceitfulness of sin hardens your heart. That's Hebrews chapter 3. It says the deceitfulness of sin hardens your heart. So where there's a hard heart, sin is not far away. Because sin Causes hard hearts. What's another thing that causes hard-heartedness? Anybody want to raise their hand and say, I know what causes hard-heartedness. Somebody said something. Anger. Anger? Anybody else? That's what? Nancy? Disobedience? Unforgiveness, which is a form of disobedience. Yes, unforgiveness bitterness which is another form of unforgiveness or a further indication of unforgiveness absolutely see disobedience hardens your heart when God says when you know what to do and you say I know what to do I know that's wrong I'm gonna do it anyway you know what happens your heart gets hard what happens. Your heart gets hard. And then when you say the next time that same thing happens, you say, in, in your example, anger or unforgiveness or bitterness, you know that you should forgive. The Bible's very clear. When you stand praying, forgive. Right? So you know that you should forgive, but you say, but they really hurt me and I'm not going to forgive them. What you do right there? You harden your heart. That causes a hard heart. Another thing that causes hard heartedness is not obeying the Lord's leading. So he leads you to do something, and you go, uh uh, not gonna do it. That's hard, that causes hard heartedness. Uh, last week, Pastor shared, and he, he talked of a, a long time ago, I think he said 40 years ago, he went to uh, uh, like a visit Washington, Jeannie's uh, parents. They were going to go skiing, and he said that he knew in his heart he had no peace with them going skiing. So that was, you think maybe that was the Lord's leading, taking away your peace, or you think, ugh, I don't know why, but we're not supposed to do that, right? That's called losing your peace, okay? That is a way that the Lord leads you, okay, is by peace. You know, Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God reign in your heart as the umpire, whether you do or don't do. It says, Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart as the umpire, the final say of what happens. That's the Amplified Bible. So he knew not to do it. This is his story. I'm not telling on him. He already told it. I'm just referring to it. So I'm not not dogging on him or anything. He knew not to do it, but he overrode that lack of peace, right? And then... Jeannie, his wife, had a dream that she was going to fall and break her leg. That was another way of God's leading, and they overrode it. Now, this is 40 years ago, right? But the fact of the matter is, he was very clear, that they both overrode the Lord's leading, and she fell and broke her leg very, very badly on this trip because God tried to get them to stop and not do it, but they didn't listen and they ended up doing it anyway. Now, they weren't sinning by going skiing, okay? That wasn't like a sinful thing to do. But when the Lord tells you not to, you should listen, right? And when he gives you a dream about something bad, you should listen. That's the lesson that he taught us through that little story. So, the, so one of the ways that God leads us or one of the ways that he speaks to us is through taking away our peace or giving us peace. It says, let Philippians, Philippians the, the fourth chapter says, let the peace of God reign in your hearts through faith. Let the peace of God reign and let it surpass all human understanding. So you, we need to be led by the peace of God. So whether you have peace or whether you don't have peace, I always kind of look at it like this. If I have peace, I go, we're good. And if I don't have peace, I go, "Eh," because that's like things are not flowing here. This is not good. We aren't going to do this. My wife and I were supposed to, we were all scheduled to go camping this week. We were supposed to leave on Sunday afternoon. We were going to Grand Haven. My one son's camping out there and We were gonna go out there camping. We had a a motor home all set up. We were all set to go, already paid for the site. And about mid last week, both my wife and I are both like, I don't think we're supposed to go. This is weird, why aren't we supposed? I wanna go spend time with my grandsons at the beach. This will be great. And I'm like, I don't think we're supposed to go. Why aren't we supposed to go? And we couldn't think of any reason why we shouldn't go, but we both felt that we weren't supposed to go. So I called the person that was allowing us to use their motorhome, and I said, you know, I so appreciate, they're going to let us use their motorhome for nothing, bingo. And I said, I'm really, you're so generous, we so appreciate you offering your motorhome to us. I said, but we're, we're not going to take you up on that offer because we don't know why, but we're not going to go to the to the beach for that week. I got the vacation. It's already paid for, but we're not going to go because we don't really know why, but we don't have peace. Here's what he says to me. Really? You don't need it? I said, no. He says, wow, somebody just offered to buy it and they wanted, to, they wanted access to it, but I told them they couldn't have it until the 28th and they weren't real pleased with that. And I said, "Well, it looks like you can offer it to him today." And he was like, "Well, great. Thank you." So, God was looking out for him, he was being generous, and then on Saturday my brother fell and broke his neck. He said two surgeries, and I've been up at the hospital both Sunday and yesterday, and I just got back from the hospital at about 6:20 just just before I got came up here to speak. And I had to be at the hospital anyway. I wouldn't have been able to go out to the lake anyway. Now, God knew that all was happening. Now, did he cause my brother to fall and break his neck? No, but he knew what was happening and because we were led and we both said, I don't understand why, but we're gonna cancel. It blessed the person that was attempting to bless us and it freed me up to be with my brother up in the hospital as he had two very serious spinal cord surgeries in the last two days, in the last three days. So what I'm saying is, sometimes we don't know why we lose our peace or we don't know why God is leading us, but we have to be willing to trust him anyway, right? And what happens is when you override that, peace or lack of peace, if you consistently do it, you're going to get, end up with hard heart. You're going to end up not being able to discern what the peace of God feels like. If you say no to the Holy Spirit enough, you'll get dull of hearing when he's speaking to you. So the, the cure is repent. If you've been saying no to the Holy Spirit, I would say Uh, The cure is, tonight, repent. Say, God, Father God, forgive me for saying no to the Holy Spirit, and I ask you to speak to me again, and I commit to obey when you lead me. When you lead me by peace, when you lead me by your word, when you lead me by... There's many different ways that we can listen and hear God, but when we listen and obey, our heart gets softer, it's like watering the ground. And when we listen and don't obey, our heart gets hard. And when, when your heart gets hard, you end up doing foolish things or you end up hurting or you end up committing sin long term. Um, so the, the key is, how does God lead us? I'm going to talk to you just for a moment here. Today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, it, you know, today, if you hear his voice, and you can hear his voice in many different ways, it's not just, this is God. That's not the only way he speaks, okay? In fact, he's never talked like that to me. And if he talks like that to you, congratulations. You've been watching too many Charlton Heston movies. Um, and none of you, some of you don't even know who Charlton Heston is. But anyway, he was Moses in the original Ten Commandments. But anyway. Along with Ulo Brenner as Pharaoh, but enough of that. How about this? In First Kings 19, Elijah goes out and stood on the mountain before the Lord, and the Lord passed him by. There was a great and strong wind, and it tore into the mountain. This wind was so strong it broke the rocks into the pieces. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance and a voice came and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, the point with that particular passage of Scripture is, God could speak through a strong wind. He could speak. In fact, he he did come in a rushing mighty wind later in Acts chapter 2, right? He came as a mighty rushing wind. He could come as a fire. He also manifested as a fire in Acts chapter 2, right? It could come as an earthquake. In fact, when Jesus rose from from the dead, there was an earthquake, You know, God was in all that, but this particular time, he spoke as a still, small voice. Sometimes the best way to get a group of rowdy kids' attention is to whisper. I've had groups of kids in my house for 30-plus years. It's just like we're Grand Central Station, my house is. And when you have a group of 10, 12, 10-year-old boys, it's, it's quite an adventure. And sometimes you have to go, boys, boys, shh. And after a while, they'll start hitting each other and they'll all be quiet and they go, I gotta tell you something. And that's the be- sometimes that's the best way to get their attention because they're like, hold it, we're used to yelling, somebody's actually whispering, we better pay attention. But see, that's what God does too. Sometimes he whispers. Sometimes he goes, psst, hey, come here. And we have to be willing to listen not only to the earthquake and not only to the fire, not only to the wind, not only to the loud stuff, but we also have to be sensitive that when the Lord speaks to us in a whisper that we go, kind of turn your ear to it and, what was that, Lord? What, what are we doing here? That realize that sometimes God speaks to us in, in different ways. So some of the ways that, that God speaks to us, the very first way that God speaks to us, and if he speaks to us and we listen and obey, we'll have a good heart. If he speaks to us and we hear it and we say, eh, your heart gets hard every time you say no to God. Your heart gets a little bit harder. And I'll just warn us that when the Bible says not to do something, and we go, eh, but yeah, it's okay. Be careful because that sin hardens our hearts. It's it's a hardening of the heart if you're not if you're not careful. So when the Bible says that you shall not have sexual relations before marriage, it means you're not to have sexual relations before marriage. And if you're having sexual relations and you're not married, knock it off. How's that? Get married or knock it off. It's that simple. I know that's, oh, that's so blunt, you shouldn't talk like that. Really? How about if you saw a child standing in front of an ongoing car, wouldn't you yell, hey? Hey! Right? Of course you would. See, it's important that we obey Scripture. It says don't steal. That means don't cheat on your taxes. So if you're cheating on your taxes, knock it off. Okay? Same thing. Because don't steal. Don't cheat. Just don't do it. Why? Because God says not to. And when you do it, when God says not to, your heart gets hard and when your heart gets hard, you can't hear his voice, and you end up doing dumb things, then you end up hurting yourself. That's just what happens. So it's in your best interest, and it's my best interest, that when we hear his voice, that we listen and that we obey. Now, how, do, how does he talk to us? Number one way he talks to us is through Scripture, right? Number one, Scripture, if, he, if, God, if you say God's told you something and it's, and it's contrary to Scripture, God didn't tell you something. Because God is not confused and he doesn't make special exceptions for people. No, I got a special dispensation to God. Me and the big guy, we have an understanding. I've had people tell me that. Well, me and the big guy, we got an understanding. I said, yeah, you do. His understanding is this. Jesus Christ died for your sins and you need to give your life to him today and knock off this foolishness that you're living right now. That's his understanding. You don't get to continue to sin and wreck your life just because you think you are a, some kind of a special case. No. God has one set for everybody. It's the same set of rules for everybody. Okay? So, Scripture is the number one way that he talks to us. Another one is by peace. I already talked about this, that he gives us his peace and he leads us by his peace. He lets his peace be the umpire, Colossians 3.15. Another way that, these are not in any particular order, another way that he speaks to us is through dreams. You might have a dream and he can show you what to do like he did with, with pastor's wife Jeannie. Um... Or I've had many times where I've had dreams and you, you end up, it ends up being something very substantial. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of ways that God talks to us through dreams. So dreams is one way that God leads us and guides us. Sometimes, I've, I've never had this myself, but I know people have open visions where they'll be sitting, reading their Bible, and the next thing you know they're like zoned out and they're in another world and they're, they're seeing something in the spirit that I'm like, what are you doing? And they're, they don't answer. And next thing you know, they say, well, I just saw this, 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 and this. And I'm like, wow, that's a cool gift. Never seen that before. And God speaks to us through sermons like you're hearing right now. Because they always reference the Spirit of God and they reference Scripture. So God can talk to you through sermons from pastors. God talks to you through friends that maybe have insight for you. And if you're really hard-hearted, God will actually talk to you through circumstances. Now, I would say this. In Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will guide you with my eye. And anybody who has little children knows this is true, and all the moms are shaking their head. All they have to do is look at their kid in a certain way, and he'll stop doing what he's doing. They go like this, and you go, you're in trouble, Bubba, sorry. Or they go, you are guiding them with your eye at that point. But what if your kid's not looking for, looking to you, or he's not looking at you, as his back to you? You could pull all the faces you want, it ain't going to do no good because he ain't looking at you, right? Now, God wants us to look at him so that when he raises one eyebrow, we go, Oh, I must be doing something that ain't cool right now, right? So when we're looking at him and he raises one eyebrow, he goes... We know uh, something's awry. So as God says, don't be like a mule or a horse that needs a bridle to to be wrangled into which way you should go. But let me guide you with my eye, which means keep your eyes firmly focused on Jesus. And if you do that, he won't have to put a bridle in your mouth or a bit. So he has to steer you which way to go every time because you're not looking at him or you're doing your own thing all the time. Keep your eyes on Jesus and then he can guide you with his eye. See, he can guide you with a look and you don't even have to have to go any further. He can just, if your eyes are focused on him, he can guide you with a look. But if you want to be like Jonah, you can let circumstances lead you. What happened with Jonah? God gave Jonah a job, right? Go to Nineveh and warn them that unless they repent, the whole city's going to be destroyed. That was God's assignment, very specifically to Jonah. Jonah said, Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't like Nineveh. I hope they all burn. I'm out of here. So he booked it and he went down to, to Joppa, the opposite direction. He gets on the boat. He thinks he's all good. God can't find me here. I'm going to Joppa. That's where I'm going. I'm not going to Nineveh. I hope they all burn. That's what, jo- that's what Jonah's thinking. Well, along the way, the storm starts, right? He's downstairs. Everybody's, oh, we're all going to die, blah, blah, blah. They're throwing stuff overboard. Finally, Jonah goes, it's me, isn't it? Uh-huh. So he says, it's me, guys. Throw me overboard, and the storm will stop. So they go, really? Dude, we don't really hate you that much. And the, but anyway, they go, I'm ad-libbing. But they toss him overboard, storm stops. They're like, he must have been a bad guy. Wow. Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. We think it's a whale. The Bible says big fish. You do the math, whatever. So he's swallowed by this large thing that swims in the ocean. He's inside there with a bunch of seaweed, a bunch of dead fish, stomach acid. I mean, it's not cool inside this fish. This is not like a submarine, like, hey, this is cool. We're just going to get on this. No, man, this is awful. It's like living in the septic tank, okay? That's where he was is bad. He's there. He's there for three days. I mean, how, how dull is this guy? Three days. Finally, after, after a while, he repents. And he said, oh, God, okay, I'll go to the Ninevites. God, forgive me. I'll go to the Ninevites. Next thing you know, that fish took him, spit him out on ground And he comes and he's all, I mean, you got to believe, he stunk bad. I mean, he's been in the belly, in the intestines of a, I mean, the abdominal cavity of a giant fish for three days. Good Lord. I mean, I stink after a couple days just fishing, let alone being in the belly of a fish. You go up to Canada, don't take a shower for a couple days, you smell like the devil, right? And this guy must have stunk something fierce, and he had all these fish guts all over him. And he comes on land, and he starts preaching, and he, the whole city repents. Now, why did he have to go into the fish? Because he disobeyed, he hardened his heart, and he finally repented, and God put him right back to where he had told him to go originally. So understand something, when God wants you to do something, don't think you're going to get away with not doing it. By running away or by delaying, it's just going to get harder and stinkier if you wait. So if God tells you to do something, please do it quickly. You know, Jesus even said, why do you call me Lord if you won't do what I say? How's that for straightforward? Jesus said, why do you bother calling me Lord if you won't even do what I ask you to do? That means, because if you don't do what he says, he's not Lord. Because Lord means you do what he says. I know this seems hard or straightforward, but it's just straight tonight. You're getting it straight tonight. And that is, when we hear something, when we are led by the Lord, we need to do it and do it quickly. Because that's what keeps our heart, one of the things, one of the ways that keeps our heart from becoming hard. Quick obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. That's a good one for all you parents of little boys. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Because I ask you to do it now, not a half an hour from now. And that's the same with God. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So when, it, when he tells you to do something, when you feel like you're supposed to do something, when you feel like you're supposed to call somebody, don't put it off till tomorrow. Do it. Call them. Don't wait. Call them. Get it done. Why? Because it will keep you sharp in hearing God's voice. It'll keep you sharp in keeping your heart tender toward God. And I'm not saying you got to be this, oh, God told me I got to go right now. I got to leave church and go do something. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, when you have a chance, do it. Don't don't delay, don't procrastinate. And so, let's just go over quickly what we went over tonight. He speaks to us through scripture. He speaks to us. He leads us through peace, sometimes dreams, sometimes visions, sermons, conversations, maybe someone walks up to you and says, hey, does the word Rumpelstiltskin mean anything to you? And it might mean something to you or maybe it's something really important. Um, I used Rumpelstiltskin just as a silly example, but those types of things happen all the time where people will just have, the Lord will put a word on on somebody's heart and they'll share it with you and it's exactly what you need to hear. And sometimes, if we're, if we're disobedient or if we're delaying, circumstances will take over. If we don't listen, circumstances will, God will lead us through circumstances if He has to. So I would say this obey before circumstances have to force your obedience. How about that? Obey before it's necessary for circumstances to to, uh, help you obey. Obey quickly, obey quicker so that you don't end up in circumstances that end up hurting you or becoming hard. It says the way of the transgressor is hard. Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus said to to Saul, who later became Paul, he said, hey, when you kick against the goads, it's hard. A goad is a sharp stick used to move a cow that won't move. He says, when you kick against the goads, it hurts, doesn't it, Saul? And the way of the transgressor is hard. When we disobey God, it's hard. Life gets hard. And, and Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but the way of the transgressor is hard. So I want to take a few minutes here, just a few minutes, and I want us to break up and I want us to share one way, each of you, share a way that God has, has led you in the last few weeks. How has God led you? Whether it's peace or whether it's, it's a word or scripture, I mean, just just with a couple people around you, just find somebody and share with them. We're going to share with the people online right now. And uh, so you just move. Everybody, come on. Get out of your seats. Do something and go find somebody. If you're not sitting right by somebody, go find somebody and just talk about, just for, I'm going to give us eight minutes. I'm going to give us eight minutes and just talk about how God has led you whether it was through scripture or a word or some way that we talked about that God has led you in the last few weeks. Go. So good to hear you all talking and sharing. What a blessing that is. Um, I'm going to ask you to kind of close it up a little bit. We're going to pray and close things up. But... um, so good to hear everyone sharing That's so encouraging to hear the buzz i just think that's great so thank you all for participating and um we're just going to close it up um right now and if you want to stay and talk you're free to but we're going to close it up because it's 7:45, and that's our commitment so Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we hear your voice, the voice of a stranger we will not follow because we are your sheep, the sheep of your pasture. Lord, we ask that you would continue to speak to us through all the different ways that you speak because that's who you are. So, Father, we love you. We, We set our eyes and our hearts upon you. And we ask that you would lead us and guide us, make level paths for our feet to walk on, take obstacles out of our way and help us reach the mark that you've set before us and directed us toward in Jesus' name, amen.